Hi and welcome to the MarTech Alliance Marketing Technology Podcast Series. I'm Carlos Doughty, your host, and for anybody not familiar, there was a recent acquisition back in April of Acru by Integrate. I'm joined by Chris Wixon. Hi, Chris. Welcome. Yeah, of course. Well, thank you for having me. Um, yeah, so uh, my name is Chris Wixon. I'm one of the co-founders of Acru, and I up until our acquisition by Integrate, and I'm now the, the GM, uh, general manager of the events part of the Integrate business. For people not familiar with Integrate and Acru and how you kind of sort of fit in people's marketing stack, do you mind sort of giving us a quick overview? So yeah, uh, it, from in Integrate perspective, um, so we really uh, empower B2B marketers to unify the top of their funnel demand channels. So what I mean by that is um, enabling our customers to really bring all their um, top of funnel channels through to a single uh, SaaS platform, the Integrate platform, and that ultimately delivers clean, intelligent data downstream into their marketing automation and CRM systems. Um, and then those leads are kind of ready for action with, with um, the right information needed. Um, that ultimately kind of helps our customers accept their, their results and revenue. From a, a crew perspective, we've been solving just one of those channel, one of those problems within those channels. That's the events channel. Um, so a crew is all about helping customers to um, take a universal approach to lead capture at events. So to replace um, forms, business cards, scanning badges with rented devices. We provide a kind of modern SaaS platform that solves that problem and again delivers those event leads into the places they need to go in real time with the right information. Can we rewind a little bit? If we jump back in, um, I'd, I'd love to kind of hear a little bit of the origin of, of Acru and how you came about before the acquisition. Um, do you mind sort of talking us through the journey? It all began when I was at university back in 2006. Myself and a couple of friends set up a student job board that um, went well and took off. And in that business, we, we raised a little bit of money in 2010 um, and we went out on um, and we did 100 university career fairs. Um, we signed up across those career fairs. We, we registered 40,000 uh, details from students and every one of those we did on a paper form. And it was a bit of a disaster, you know, terrible handwriting. Um, it took us a long time to transcribe the information. We had a really small team. And the following year, um, yeah, we said to ourselves, we're not going to do that again. We estimated we lost between 30 and 40% of all the, the, the leads we collected. So um, this is 2011. Um, iPads had just been released. You know, apps were becoming a, a thing. So we set about building it ourselves a uh, very basic mobile data capture app that would um, replace the paper, work offline. Um, we built our own our own tool for that, went out on campus and it really transformed um, the way we captured data, the speed, the accuracy. Uh, and to be honest, at that point, it just solved our own problem. And then we started to get interest from uh, corporate employers who were doing the, the same career fairs. Uh, it was IBM, of all people, who were the first kind of big blue chip employer to ask if they could use this little app that we built for their own student career fairs. And then that kind of took off from there, really. And then in 2013, we decided to spin the software out uh, as a standalone company. A crew was officially born. Uh, and we went out to market in those, in those early years, kind of 2013 through to 2016, as a really broad mobile data capture app. So wherever people are using paper or, or capturing data from people manually, we said they could use our app. Um, and, and that was great in many ways. It was a really exciting and interesting kind of journey for us. And we brought on lots of weird and wonderful customers in 
B2C, lots of agencies, sports clubs using it on match days, retailers, restaurants, so lots of people and places using the app um, to capture data. But it was, um, it, it became pretty tough to kind of try and serve a really broad audience. We weren't really a kind of true SaaS platform back then. We did a lot of agency, a lot of one-off work. So um, yeah, we had an interesting start to our, our uh, accrue lives. So on that journey, what was what were the moments where where you kind of it started to go? Actually, we've really got something here. And um, on your point there, if I'm hearing you right, around the sort of the focus and being too broad, what was the moments at which you started to kind of adapt it in such a way that you identified this is where we scale, this is where we turn this into the into into the growing business? A couple of things. The first was um, the more we dug into some of the problems we were solving for customers, the more we got drawn to this world of B2B marketing, B2B events, um, and the more we peeled back the layers on the problems our customer experience in there, the more we thought, hang on, there's some really big opportunities here, some really big problems that companies spend a lot, a lot of money on B2B events and um, are not really doing this very well. They're still using paper, they're still scanning badges. So there was that kind of discovery of, of the complexity of the problems there. Um, and at the same time, we were becoming pretty thinly spread. Uh, we did have this sense that if we were going to succeed with a crew, we needed to pick a pick a single path and really focus on that. Um, and yeah, that that I say that that we kept getting drawn into this B two B problem that we just felt was um, a big problem to be solved. And um, and then from a SaaS perspective, um, Andy, my co-founder, and I kind of regular attendees of the um, various SaaS events and the more we kind of learn about B2B SaaS and, and the power of getting people onto recurring revenue contracts and annual contracts and really partnering with our customers, the more we got kind of drawn to that. So around um, early 2016, we kind of made this real conscious decision that we were all in on being a B2B SaaS company and solving, just trying to solve this one complex B2B event problem. And as that, that sort of vision became clearer to you, what can we have a sort of a, a little bit of a look sort of underneath the bonnet, if you like, in terms of operationally what then happened? So you went, there's a there's a massive opportunity here. We're really solving a problem. We've got a great product fit. How did you then really accelerate your go-to-market strategy? What was happening from a market operations perspective in terms of your yeah. um, lead to acquisition? You know. Well, when I look back at the time, I actually think it it was a massive burden that taken off the company with that decision to focus um you know it suddenly meant our, our our marketing website the messaging became simpler rather than trying to be this shop window for all these different problems we could solve we were just a shop window for one problem Marketing suddenly became clearer um we then had much more clarity on who our buyer personas were who, who were the people we're really trying to solve for so that made our messaging and our outreach easier um and yeah i, I look back and say i i really think it lifted a burden off the company the same goes for products and engineering suddenly we're, we were just trying to solve for one group of customers rather than lots of different customers with different needs um so that yeah so i think my messaging our, our, the focus the internal communication our hiring we were able to start doing um it, it just made a massive difference to us and really was the catalyst for the kind of growth we've had over the last two or three years and what about some of the sort of tougher moments what were the moments on the way where you were like, shit, <laughs> how do we keep scaling? Uh, we're growing, this is great, but how do, you know, how do we keep up? Yeah, um, so I guess I'll break that down into 
in that early phases when we, we started to get some customers, we had some traction. Um, a lot of that was outbound, us going after and knocking some doors down. Um, but that in itself, because we brought on this different broad range of customers using the product in different ways, put a lot of pressure on to try and figure out you know, that journey to product market fit, really. Um, we were easily distracted. We'd have um, customers willing to spend a good amount of money on um, custom features and trying to solve specific things. And in those early stages when yeah, we, we weren't, uh, we were relatively bootstrapped, so we never raised huge amounts of money. So yeah, we relied on our customers to fuel our growth largely. Um, so that distraction was um, certainly one of the tougher things in the early stages. And then when we did go all in and focus, and in the last two, three years, I'd say um, hiring is always tough. Like everybody, I think everyone would resonate with, with that. Certainly here in London, it's competitive. B2B SaaS is still really, in a guess, in its relatively, relative infancy here in Europe as well. So trying to find people who've done B2B, the B2B SaaS journey before is, is tough, although it is obviously getting easier as time goes on. Uh, but yeah, hiring the right people um, and then I guess switching to that scale up mindset. You know, what, once you've got out of that kind of naught to 1 million ARR journey, that switch to, okay, now how do we get 10 million? That requires a whole different set of skills and um, functions and starting to um, put some processes in and build those foundations that let you scale. Um, we've kind of been through all of that, that journey um, in, in, for good and bad. So what's coming next? What's, what's, in the, what's in the pipeline? What's in the roadmap for you? Yeah, well, um, so the Integrate acquisition um, can, was completed back in April. So we're, where are we? We're kind of four months in. Um, we've been speaking with the Integrate team for, for about a year, um, uh, maybe nine months in the build-up to acquisition. Um, so we're genuinely super excited about what this means for us as a business to be part of the Integrate journey. It was obviously a tough decision to switch tracks and um, it wasn't something we were kind of out there looking for. It came, came along a lot earlier um, than we planned, but we very much viewing it as a joining of forces. We have united um, the businesses. We are solving a, um, a problem for the B2B marketers um, as part of the broader Integrate solution. So yeah, we're really excited about what that means in terms of our ability to, you know, we've basically overnight added 200, 250 colleagues in the US um, across all the different functions. We've got access to um, more experienced leadership team, um, obviously a, a, a large and growing base in the US where we do a lot, we have a lot of customers anyway. So we're really excited to be part of the journey. And then from a, a, a crew and events perspective, again, the acquisition means we can really accelerate with um, what we want to do um, with the solution. So we, we really see a world where yeah, today at B2B events, it's a one-way thing. You basically have a conversation at your booth and you scan a badge or you grab the business card or you fill in a paper form. And then at some point, somebody gets that spreadsheet of the data you've collected and sticks it into marketing automation. It's a really archaic way. It's the same process that's been done for 20 years. So we're really excited about some of the things we're working on that is going to really um, modernize, accelerate that interaction put intelligent information back in the hands of the sales reps. So it's not such a one-way conversation with the lead. And then making sure those leads go to the right places with the right information quickly um, so they can be followed up appropriately and ultimately um, accelerate the, the revenue. So 
yeah, lots of exciting stuff going on as we go through this integration of the two companies. Obviously, you guys understanding the, the well, lead generation management better than most, uh, <laughs> put conservatively. Um, what, is your, what does your sales playbook look like? What is it that you do in terms of your acquisition? It'd be really interesting to walk us through that, especially for kind of sort of the market yeah. ops or market technologists out there that are, are trying to better understand and learn from people like yourself, you know, that have really scaled a business. I think we we invested in we bought on our first SDRs. Um, I think before met most companies in the UK, like we've had SDRs here since like 2015. Um, you know, largely inspired by Predict for Revenue, the book, and going to kind of some of the early SASTA events. So we've 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 actually got a few years under our belt of running an SDR function. Um, and so we do divide our demand gen across outbound activities. So our SDRs really focusing in on um target accounts target profiles within those accounts kind of uh, account-based marketing approaches we use tools like sales loft there to um, help kind of um, organize their time and deliver um, the right messaging to the right personas in a regular cadence uh, and then on the inbound side again our, our marketing website has really been designed to drive those inbound um, inquiries whether that's people downloading content all the way through to putting their hand up and requesting a demo. Again, there we put a big focus on our SDR process in there. So quickly responding to those leads, um, doing some initial qualification on those leads to make sure they're a good fit for us before they get kind of passed downstream to our um, sales team. So there are kind of, yeah, the outbound and inbound approaches. And then alongside that supplement it, we um, eat our own dog food, do a lot of events. We use our product out at events to um, capture and in the right way uh, and we've also been um, working hard on content you know, we, we do believe both as a crew and as integrate we are trying to build new new software categories and that requires a lot of time and a lot of you know, we're trying to shift people's mindsets and shift landscapes so a content plays a key part in that so we've got a content team that's been producing educational content around the problems not necessarily the solutions but just kind of highlighting the problems and the inefficiencies that currently exist. So yeah, I'd say that was a pretty good overview um, of yeah. the different yeah, approaches. Um, I'm, I'm interested by your point there that you actually, you hired your SDR team very early on. Um, not everybody does and it's, yeah, it's interesting to sort of, sort of decode your journey and then actually how impactful that might have been. Um, one other thing you mentioned, which is interesting obviously, is around eating your own dog food and going to events. And um, just on that point of events, you know, it'd be interesting again if we just sort of break up and, and have a sort of a closer chat on your acquisition process. How how impactful is the event piece, the events marketing versus some of the other channels for you? I appreciate it's not as clear cut as that. Naturally, there's multiple touch points, so it's not a this channel wins everything. But it'd be interesting to get a gauge from you in terms of um, this is, I suppose, for other listeners, for other market technology providers to go. Actually, where should I be spending my cash? Is is events the right place? How much should I be apportioning to events versus, let's say, LinkedIn advertising or content development? Yeah, yeah. well, I think you alluded to it just then in, in the question. Um, events play, uh, for me, a really key role in demand gen, um, but it is you know, have to work alongside your other campaigns. Like the notion of you know, meeting someone at an event and then they do a demo and then they look at pricing and buy your does yeah, we know that doesn't really exist in B2B and you could say that across any channel. It, it, it does take multiple touch points. 
But I think the reason why B2B marketers spend more money on events than any other channel, and that's like Forrester data, putting that at 18%, um, the number one channel for spend is because of the power of face-to-face -face interactions and, and conversations that can take place on, on a stand at a booth. Um, it, they, they I think maybe 10 years ago, people predicted events would start to die off because of kind of digital um, channels, but actually the events industry continues to grow from strength to strength. And I think um, that is because people still truly value the ability to get in front of people, talk face-to-face, -face, shake hands, look each other in the eyes. And I think the conversations you can have in those meetings allows you to really fast track um, leads down the funnel. Um, yeah, we, we, we have been really pushing the notion of the event qualified lead. You know, scanning a badge is not, not a lead. You know, you're just grabbing a contact details, but that person you've had a, a good conversation with on the stand, you've actually started to do the qualifying, you, you've built an understanding of their requirements, what they're looking for. Yeah, that information you can gather in that five, 10, 15 minute conversation on the stand can really enable you to fast track that lead um, into a, a further conversation and then if you can supplement that with um, account-based uh, digital advertising content you know email if you can build a, a, a cadence around that conversation that took place at the event which is something we're kind of working on here and in integrate um, it really does deliver results and, and lets you uh, not only accelerate revenue from events then but actually uh, and this is something a lot of companies struggle with is actually measure event ROI, actually being able to link bottom of funnel revenue results with top of funnel event spend. Um, so yeah, we're pretty excited about um, the opportunity. We know events, like I say, play a powerful role for us and, and as they do for a lot of other companies. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I think um, we, we definitely went through this era where everything was going to go digital and we'll just do online events. And there's a little period of sort of this avatar world of online events and they were horrendous. And, you know, I mean, Webinars can be great for lead generation, but how many people turn up? Um, and it's not that the content's not great, it's just when you've got all these distractions and all this noise around you, it's very, very tough to really engage somebody. So yeah, the, yeah. the power of a face-to-face -face conversation, it's, it's where you build real relationships. Um, I think also to your point and actually to your products, there's, there's gotta be the follow-up, right? And that follow-up's gotta be so timely because you know, not quite we've got the memory of goldfish, but at the same time, we're going to have a lot of conversations. We're going to be reading a lot of content. We're going to be engaging with a lot of people. So if, if your follow-up from an event is a week, a day, three days, it's just too long. Um, and, and it's not intelligent enough. So I think it's, yeah, I do, I do think it's an yeah. interesting uh, solution like yours. And I think what's, what's also interesting is um, I think it, it's, it's a really, it's, it's really re refreshing to hear you say the importance of an event, but not as a touch point. Um, I do think there are instances where we chat with quite a few different organizations that kind of look at, I'll go to an event and what's the direct exact ROI. And it's, it's understanding that exactly as you described, it's not a case of you meet, you suddenly sign a contract. There's an entire path to this and, mm. and thinking of that as a really rich, powerful touch point and it's importance and engagement that, you know, you can download an ebook, yeah. you can uh, sign up for a webinar, not turn up. You can do a whole range of things, visit a website, but actually when you meet somebody face-to-face -face and you engage in chat, that's when you really move that conversation forward in terms of qualifying people to the next level. Yeah, 100%. We, we see a lot of our customers now um, who've been using Accrue for you know one, two, three years. Um, 
really come up with attribution metrics. So when a customer comes on board and signs a contract, certainly in the enterprise, you know, that might have been a nine, 12, 18 month buying cycle. So when they do sign, uh, the B2B marketer wants to look back at all the touch points they had on that customer journey uh, and then, then be able to kind of attribute some of that revenue back to those channels. So we met them at an event, they then downloaded a white paper, they then did a demo request, there was then a meeting, and maybe one of their colleagues, we met them at a different event. So being able to build, build up that complete picture and actually attribute event spend um, back to uh, the kind of the, the revenue that comes on board. Um, that's the kind of data that marketers have, you know, really had before. Um, but now the technology and the solutions are out there that enable them to do this. Um, I just want to stitch together quite a few bits you mentioned here, because I think there's, um, for those people that are kind of in a MarTech company right now in the UK, let's say um, as part of the UK MarTech landscape, and are kind of sort of earlier on their journey, if we if we take the bits you've recommended or that work particularly well for you, we I pull them out. We've got the importance of focus. We've got um, the the importance of the SDR team and focusing on sales, making sure that you've got a, a really rich, powerful playbook that mixes between your content and your follow-up, the importance of events marketing. Um, and I appreciate not every MarTech company is the same, but are there any other sort of bits of advice you'd give to any sort of aspiring MarTech um, vendor right now? I think one exercise we did early on and we've, we've gone back to a few times was um, like deep analysis of your customers. And it, that kind of sounds like a really obvious thing to say, but I actually think a lot of companies fail to do this, like truly building up a picture of um, the profiles of the companies that you're a great fit for. And then the personas within that company that you're trying to focus on. And for us, yeah, we are trying to sell effectively to B2B marketers, but also uh, B2B sales, because they're often the people who are sent to the events and use our products, uh, the, the app part of our product on the show floor. We're also trying to sell to marketing ops and CRM who are trying to think about how this all plugs together. So really trying to understand deeply your personas, what their problems are, what, what you're trying to solve for them. That's something I think we've done pretty well over the years as we've evolved it and brought more people into that um, that kind of stakeholder mix. Um, I think that's a really useful exercise. The first time we did it, we did it, did it like an offsite where we put groups of uh, the team together across different functions and we gave them all a persona and asked them to spend like a whole morning um, you know, really diving deep into that persona. And then off the back of that, we've done lots of like customer interviews, uh, both in product and customer success to really kind of add to that um, understanding we have of the personas. So I'd say that's uh, something that's worked well for us. Um, I really appreciate you taking the time today. It's been fantastic to chat to you. Thanks, Carlos.